Hey everyone and welcome to Livingston First Church. We're so glad you're joining us today. We really hope you're ready to hear a great message from the Word of God. So prepare your hearts, prepare your ears, and get ready to receive a blessing from the Lord. Be blessed. So I don't get a microphone very often. And my hands usually start sweating and I get a little nervous. But I'm good. Um, but John's... Enjoying a beach? Is he with his mom? Enjoying, okay. Enjoying the beach. Enjoying life in Florida. So he asked me if I wanted to speak and my heart, or, well, I was like, no. I actually didn't want to, and then I heard Holy Spirit say yes. So here I am. I'm standing on stage with the microphone. But I do feel like God wants to say something, or I feel like he's saying something to us this morning. So if you want to flip your Bibles open to Luke 19, that's where we're going to read. Luke 19, 11. This is a pretty famous passage that has been uh, read and preached on for... Uh, for forever as long as I can remember growing up in the church. It's a pretty simple message, but I feel like it's what God's saying. So I'm going to pray real quick and ask God to uh, just move. So Lord Jesus, Jesus, we love you so much. And I ask that you would continue to baptize us in your love this morning. I ask that you would speak to our hearts and that the words I speak would not be my flesh or my opinions, but it would be the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only way we're getting life, Lord, because you are the life. So we ask, Jesus, that you would uh, speak to us that you would fill us with your presence and that you would uh, draw us closer to your heart, Jesus, because you ultimately are the one we want. Thank you for hanging out with us. Lord, what a privilege. The, the God of the universe, the one that spoke everything into existence, the one who's seated on the throne and that everything is going to bow before him and say he is Lord. That's the God that's in the room with us right now. And Lord, we don't take that for granted. We don't take your presence lightly. We thank you that you, you considered us worthy to be called your sons and daughters. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so Luke 19.11. I'm going to read through the whole thing right here. Uh, let's see, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was near Jerusalem, he told them a story uh, to correct the impression that his kingdom is, uh, the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king, then he returned, uh, and then to return. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver. 
saying, invest this while I'm gone. But his people hated him, and they sent a delegation after him, saying, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and uh, called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king explained. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted you with, so uh, you will be governor over ten cities as a reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You are a good, uh, you will be governor over five cities. Uh, but the third servant uh, brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you did not plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Uh, your own words condemn you. If you knew that I am a hard man uh, who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops that I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten an interest. Uh, then turning to the other uh, others nearby, the king ordered, take the money from the servant who gives and, and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said, you already uh, has, uh, he already has 10 pounds. Yes, the king replied. And to those who use well what, uh, what they are given, even more will be given to them. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for those enemies of mine, who didn't want me to do uh, to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. So, kind of a sobering passage. Um, how many of you know that God's always fair? And which it's it's hard to read that in the context when you're reading this. You're like, whoa, but. Uh, Romans 2.11 says that there, God doesn't show any favoritism from one child to the next. How many of you know that I don't ha- hold any more favorite, favoritism from God than Catherine or anybody else in the room? All of us have the favor from God. All of us have love from God. In fact, none of us can actually obtain more love than what we're walking in right now. He's clearly demonstrated that by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. That was the declaration, I love you. And no one can take that away. And I can't, wa- I can't like gain more of his love. Like, oh man, if I do X, Y, and Z, I'm gonna, I'm gonna gain more of his love. But we all walk in different gifts. Uh, Romans 12, 6 talks about having different gifts that uh, differ according to the grace given to us by God. So we're all loved the same but we all have gifts that are given to us by God that actually differ from one to the next. And it's not like we're not going to be judged according to somebody else's lifestyle and then try to base it on our lifestyle. Oh, they did this and I did this and God's going to 
figure it all out and tally up every it's it's judged according to what he's given you like um here's an example uh there was a guy in uh mozambique love the lord and he was ready to just run into the Congo and to start churches with unreached people groups and probably end up being a martyr for Christ. And he was just ready. You know, he's jumping up and down, ready to, like, he knows, he knows the sacrifice. He understands the risk. But he was just so in love with Jesus. He was like, Lord, I'll do anything you say. And he heard the Lord speak, I want you to go back to Georgia and continue being a firefighter and loving people in your community. And that was what God told him to do. So he got on a plane, went back to Georgia after the school, and became a firefighter. And him doing that compared to somebody else hearing go to the Congo and start a church doesn't mean one is uh, like one's walking in more favor or walking in more love than God. It's just a different thing. So I just, I just wanted to clear the air uh, reading this because sometimes we can read this and we can start judging each other off, based off of somebody else's life. And that's not the way God does it. And I feel like it's just a really simple message. Um, I just, I feel like God wants to talk about stewardship. Um, I really enjoy the the topic of stewardship. Um, maybe because uh, Helmy and I, I don't know, I don't need to introduce myself. Is any, I think everybody knows me. If you don't, I'm Philip Olson. Uh, I guess I'm the youth pastor here with uh, my wife. We own a, a business in town, and partially because we own this business, uh, I'm always looking at ways that I could steward stuff well. And we all have ways we can grow. But I, I've started to realize since we, uh, since we bought this business how much, of an inf- or how much of an impact it makes on how we steward things. Uh, we have employees, we have um, several different uh, local businesses that we support, um, we have produce uh, from different areas in Tennessee that we support, and uh, depending on how I, uh, I actually steward what God's given me, it actually directly impacts hundreds of people, including uh, employees, and including like uh, uh, the people that come in to buy a product, like, and how I treat them, how I talk to them, how I, how I actually give them value when they come into our store. Am I actually gonna, uh, am I gonna treat them as though uh, they're actually loved by God? And I, I felt like the Lord was asking me to just read this passage and talk about the four different ways that we have to steward. And you have the one who, um, you know, you have the 10 servants, you have uh, that they were all given something to steward, and you have the one that actually uh, took what he was given by God. He had the king in mind. He's like, okay, I need to make sure that I have something to give to him. And the, the, the fear of losing what was given to him actually drove him uh, into, like, the fear actually ca- um, caused him to actually take what God gave him and just, like, set it aside and just make sure, okay, I'm going to make sure that I have at least something to give to him. And that fear actually caused him to forget the commandment. What was the commandment? 
here is a pound of silver. Go and invest it. He forgot that he actually had a commandment. I want you to invest this. And the fear actually caused him just to put it aside. And then you had the, the two that came back and they actually took what God gave them and they, they did something with it. And investing, they had to actually take some risk. You know, like when you invest something, there's not like a guarantee that you're gonna get something back. I like the fact that God put in, it was an investment. So there actually was some risk involved. There was a risk that if they put everything into something, they might not get it all back. They might even lose it all. You know, it's a possibility. I love the fact though that God made it clear on both people that invested, there was, they all had a return. The risk that they took actually gave them something. And um, I think it's just a promise from God in the text that when you take risks, when we, when we begin to walk and actually do things that cause us to, I mean, for example, praying for somebody on the streets, you might get, you're probably not going to get like really persecuted, like slapped in the face, though you could. But the risk is your pride, you know? The, the risk is um, if you really are concerned about what they think, then uh, it's going to be scary. And the, and, but what's the result? Somebody could actually experience freedom, you know? I can tell you how many times when, uh, you know, we used to do these prayer things, I guess, where we would go out uh, every once in a while after worship and pray around Livingston. And I was always terrified because I really, really valued what everybody thought about me. But what was the result of getting over that fear is people encountered the love of Jesus. They experienced healing. Uh, people would come into, uh, come into the kingdom. And so risk always involves dying to something, but then the result on the other end, if it's for the kingdom, is life. And to get to life, you, there's something along the way that usually needs to die, but it requires risk. And it's only those that truly walk in that risk that actually get to have fruit on the other end. So you have the two that came back with something. And the reward, actually, I think this is so funny. The reward actually wasn't relaxation. The reward wasn't like, oh, man, I did good. I'm going to sit down and enjoy my, uh, the, the fact that I actually stewarded something well. God said, okay, now you're going to be governor of 10 cities. You know, I think that's funny because, like, that was the reward. And think about that. The reward at the end was influence on 10 cities. First off, I don't think it was an easy job to be governor over 10 cities. I don't think I'd want that job. But the influence that they, began, they had over 10 cities actually had the ability to change a whole entire culture within 10 cities. Think about that. So they stewarded like a pound of silver. The king came back and said, hey, I'm going to actually give you a governor, governmental, governmental authority over 10 cities. Think about the influence that these servants all of a sudden had, unexpectedly had, and the ability. So the reason why stewardship is so important is because it's the vessel that God uses to push us into places of influence. 
Like, I can't expect the Lord to bless me personally or to bless what I'm doing with my hands if I'm not going to steward it well where he can actually entrust me with, with more. You know, like, it would be a scary thing to have a governor of a 10 cities who had a heart for himself. Imagine the destruction. He's going to govern those cities to protect himself and to build his own kingdom instead of building the kingdom of God. And that leads to uh, the third group, and that is what happened to the other seven servants. So he gave 10 pounds of silver out. And there's, they might be in the text somewhere, but I think there's, there's a good chance that some of those out of the 10 took what God gave them and they just, oh man, I got 10 pounds of silver and they used it on themselves. You know, it never gives an account for those 10 servants or the seven. So you got 10 people all given the same measure, two of which or three of which come back and two is found faithful. I think that's crazy. I don't know. I just, it makes me think like, how often do we take our gifts, me included, we take our gifts and we use the influence, we use the abilities, and we use the, the, uh, what, the stuff that God gives us, and then I use it to build my own kingdom. And what ends up happening is we actually cut ourselves off from blessings that the Lord wants to give us. And the blessings that God gives us is always to advance this kingdom. So, yeah, we, we can't expect God to pour into our lives if we're building our own kingdom. And that only happens through love for Jesus. Which I love the fact that everything goes back to love for him. They... So you have the, that's another, yeah, okay, so then you have the others that actually didn't want anything to do with the king, and they actually sent a delegation out saying, no, we don't want this king. I love the fact that it also says, and after he was crowned king, didn't change anything, Jesus is king. I'm sorry if you disagree with that, you're wrong, but he's king. At the end of the day, he's the one sitting on the throne, and if you disagree with it, you'll see one day. I just hope that it's on this side, because what we do with our influence, how we steward our families, how we steward our business and coworkers and all of that directly impacts eternity. And influence, or not influence, I'm sorry, stewardship, I believe is part of the way God is going to bring revival to Appalachia. Like, when you have a whole group of businesses and coworkers and people who steward their families well, I believe that is where God begins to pour, us, pour into us where we can have the ability to bring the kingdom in greater measures. Think about it, the one who had 10, what happened? He got another one. He got another pound of silver because he stewarded well. Uh, I forget what Proverbs, I think I wrote it down here. Uh, Proverbs 12.6 talks about, you know how... Uh, Nope, I'm telling you wrong. Sorry. There's a proverb that talks about uh, how a righteous man leaves 
an inheritance for his children's children. And then it says, the wealth of the wicked are inherited to the wealth of the righteous. And then here in Luke, you see that actually played out. You see those who don't steward what God gives them well is actually stored up for those who are actually stewarding well. And God actually has a plan to, there, there are things, positions, and places on this planet that God is just waiting to pour into his children who steward well. And that is part of revival right there. Because what happens when you have somebody who loves Jesus, all of a sudden step into a place of influence that can govern 10 cities. It's called revival. And that's where I believe God is calling us, just reminding us the, the importance of stewarding actually is what's setting us up to have influence to bring revival to our schools, our families, and so on and so forth. And I just, yeah, so, yeah, I just, I just feel like God's wanting to remind us, once again, the importance of stewardship. Uh, this is something I just think about all the time. And uh, I felt like God wanted me to bring this up. And um, I, hold on one second. (laughs) Yeah, so I feel like there's two different people that when I was praying this morning, I felt like Jesus said that he um, wanted to highlight one that, and, and both of them are something that has directly impacted how they steward their life. Um, the, the first is, I feel like there's somebody who has allowed the victim mentality to keep them from actually walking the way God wants them to walk. I don't know if something happened. I don't know if, uh, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I feel like Jesus wants to, to set them free and to remind them that they are a son and daughter of God, that uh, circumstances and situations don't actually define who they are. Um, uh, uh, two years ago, maybe three, two, I, I, we got done uh, having a meeting in Birdstown. Uh, we got home to our apartment and something just didn't feel right spiritually. Helmy actually was like, hey, something's not right. I walked inside the house and all of a sudden my lung collapsed and uh, almost ended up dying, went into surgery, and I ended up with, like, I forget what the number was. It was a big bill. I didn't have insurance. So all of a sudden, I'm faced with this huge medical bill, and I end up in, in um, I end up in debt, a medical bill, uh, that pushed us into debt because, in my opinion, I was following Jesus. Next thing you know, I'm in debt. I almost died. Um, when I missed like a month of work and all sorts of stuff. And I allowed that to be a crutch to, to kind of complain and sit in a victim mentality where I, I, I began to build excuses about stuff that God wanted me to do. And what ended up happening is God took that whole entire situation, flipped it upside down, paid off the debt. And what, what, what God was actually doing, I didn't realize, is I had a bunch of 
lies that I have been believing in, that I have been building my own self-righteousness off of these lies, and I was becoming really hard-hearted, and he wasn't able to speak to me because of it, or if he did, I didn't really listen. What happened is, because of me going into the hospital, I all of a sudden had to confront all this stuff I was pushing away. And what I ended up thinking was the, the, the worst thing that could have happened to me, ended up chipping off all of this stuff, confronting it. God would pretty much threw it in my face. I had to deal with it. And he set me free, got me out of debt, and actually got me back on the right track. And in the process, I got rid of a bunch of junk. So usually the way I've experienced it is if you're dealing with something like uh, whatever it is that would, might put you in a that kind of mentality, whatever it is, I feel like God usually uses those situations to actually set you free and then put you in a higher place. But you can't exceed to the next level, per se, if you're actually going to keep holding on to the stuff that's weighing you down. He wants to break that off of you. And then the second, the second I feel like, are just little things. Sometimes through our life, uh, we just allow little foxes to get in. I do this all the time. I'm, it sounds dumb, but Instagram and Facebook is my thing where I just sit on the couch because I'm tired off at work and I scroll and I can hear the Holy Spirit say, hey, I want to hang out with you. And I'm like, I want to look at other wallets on Instagram. And it's little things that creep in that aren't necessarily inherently evil, but they're not beneficial. And sometimes that can begin to... Uh, Cause, cause our heart, cause our heart to become a little more dull over time, and I feel like God wants to uh, break some of that off of us. So, if you have a victim mentality, or um, if there's just things that the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about, but you haven't been willing to let them go, uh, now's the time. And I feel like, uh, yeah, just to, I don't even know the word, just to go over it again. Uh, just the importance of stewardship and allowing our hearts to look at places where, um, allowing God to speak to places where he wants us to steward. If there's some things that God's given us to steward and we either haven't uh, taken it, um, we haven't taken it and utilized it for the kingdom, I just feel like God also wants to to bring that up. And just, it's an encourage, it's a it's a word to bring us back. Bring us back to, oh yeah, like, this is actually about him. The, the positions we have, the friends we have, the family we have, is for his kingdom. And as we steward it, that's when he brings us into another place where we begin to have more influence for his kingdom. So um, I guess we can go ahead and do some worship. <laughs> and as we, uh, as we go into worship, I just want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit is there a place where you can grow in, uh, in stewardship? We all have places where we can grow. There's, there's all, we all have places where we need to uh, allow God to speak to. But maybe ask him, is there one, like what's the one thing he wants you to, to work on this week? And if you are dealing with a victim mentality, or dealing with, or if you're dealing with, uh, you've just been allowing little things to creep in. 
that is starting to influence your relationship with Jesus. I just invite you to come up and uh, get some prayer. So Lord Jesus, we ask that you would help us to take the things that you've given us that are gifts, Lord. We thank you and recognize that they are gifts from you and use them for your kingdom, Lord. I ask that you would help us to walk in a greater measure of influence, Lord, or a greater measure of stewardship for your kingdom's sake, for the sake of the lost, Lord, for the sake of those in Appalachia who need to see what a life looks like lived fully possessed by Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would help us to just draw closer and closer to your heart and not allow not allow the influence of the world to to have influence on our relationship with you but rather we would have influence on the world by our relationship with you and I ask Lord that you would break off any lies that have been spoken by the enemy in the name of Jesus, that you are forgotten, that you are in this by yourself, Lord. And I ask that you would use what the enemy tries to pull us down with to flip around for your glory. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that the Holy Spirit truly ministered to you through this message from the Word of God. If you'd like to know more, look us up at livingstonfirstchurch.com or follow us on social media. And we look forward to seeing you in person soon.